And to be honest, I'm not super scared of his jaws. It's his teeth. Why didn't they call the movie Teeth? Or even if he just swallows you whole, then it should be called Stomach Acid. That stuff burns. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1975 classic Shark Tale movie, Jaws. Oh, for a second I thought I watched the same movie twice. (laughs) Speaking of, a special thank you to Chris Sanders for stepping in last week and uh, doing Independence Day. If you haven't listened, check that podcast out. Uh, Very grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we decided to um, review the other prominently 4th of July uh, circulated movie, uh, Mm -hmm. Jaws, because the movie takes place over 4th of July weekend, uh, and so if we're going by ABC Family standards of Christmas movies, then this is a 4th of July movie. It's basically the diehard of Christmas movies. (laughs) Yep. Where it's yeah. loosely connected. Yeah. But if you're looking for the triangle of how our episodes are uh, planned out, it's Shark Tale, and <laughs> then you have Independence Day, and then the middle of that Venn diagram is a shark story that takes place on Independence Day. Yep. So there you go. But yeah, to uh, give you a synopsis, I I, I want to take a, a, a brief divergent um or I'm going to divulge from our oh, typical way. I was going to say, you're going to pull a Shailene Woodley? Oh. <laughs> oh, you know it. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say uh, the original trailer, uh, and the original trailer for the movie is amazing because it's this voiceover, and they show you just, like, nothing but underwater footage, and then they proceed to show you just, like, full-on scenes from the movie. But here it is. There's a creature alive today that has survived millions of years of evolution without change. Without passion, without logic. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It's as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. Hmm. That was amazing. It was like Morgan Freeman narrating Shark Week. (laughs) Oh, man, that'd be great. Hi, I'm Morgan Freeman, and welcome to Shark Week. Um, yeah, so the movie was released uh, June 1975, um, and it is cited as Hollywood's first summer blockbuster. It opened only on 409 screens, but within 78 days, it had become the highest grossing film of all time, um, even though it was on fewer than like a 1,000 screens. 67 million people went to go see the movie, and... Um, it it started really the summer blockbuster trend and also the trend of giant animal rampage movies. I mean, it didn't start at King Kong and other movies were before it, but like took it to the water. It took it to the water. Yeah. Um, and it was the launch pad for Steven Spielberg, even though he was not the first director. Uh, he wasn't the first choice director, interestingly oh, enough. Really? Yeah, Who was the first choice? It was a, a no name McGee. Um, Oh, I like his early work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they said basically that he went into the movie. He went 
into the studio uh, with pitching it. He's like, okay, great. So there's going to be a sunset, and we see this whale, and they say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whale? This is a shark movie. We don't want anyone who doesn't know the difference between the two. And he got fired. He he squandered his opportunity. Like that because that, of his whale pitch. Yes. Oh man, what if Spielberg heard that and had like a dolphin pitch ready, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, I can't go in there with this dolphin nonsense." Yeah. And then he was like, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing." Yeah. Um. Uh, and then, <laughs> so this movie, which was. Surprising to me because I've heard about Jaws my entire life. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But that's a very I, interesting <laughs> personal fact about you. Yeah. It's, it's not like I throughout my life I've been aware of Jaws. It's not like Jaws had this deep meaning significance in my life. But anyway, you know, when, when I was when I was four years old, it was the second dream I ever remember having. It was being bitten half by a shark. And it's the exact same moment as when Quint uh, gets his uh, his big, uh, yeah. well, spoiler alert. The, the movie came out so long ago. His big break. His big, yeah. <laughs> when Quint gets bit in half, it was the same kind of thing. And I was four, and I remember having a dream where I was bit in half. And then when I was re-watching it for this, I realized it was that image. But I was four. I hadn't even seen Jaws yet. Unless Man. maybe it was on TV. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Jaws opened. It's a PG movie, not uh, because PG-13. of all the because uh, all the nudity and gore. Yeah, well, I, yeah, just PG. That's it. Like, it's just like, hey, this is basically a family film, you know, except for the silhouetted nudity and all of the animal murder. Well, was PG thirteen a thing when it came out? Oh, that's a good question. Probably not. Because at a certain point, we had to specify parental guidance and then parental guidance, you know, if you're around 13. No. It was uh, 1984. That makes sense. So, I mean, the movie's not an R. So, right. yeah, I guess you'd have to go with, with the PG. And uh, there's a documentary about it called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. I, I haven't personally seen it. Only Oh, it's heard. an amazing movie. You've seen it? Yeah. So it's my understanding that there are no hard and fast rules about the rating system. That no. it's basically a judgment call by a panel of people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I could easily see how this would be PG then. Yeah. If those are the options of like G, PG, and R. Yeah. The um the movie was adapted from a novel by Peter Benchley, who I I did not think that this movie was a book adaptation. Neither um, did I. I saw that in the credits. Yeah. Like it was on all the posters. It's just like, and that's how people were pitching it. It's just like based off the best-selling novel. And I'm thinking, what? The best-selling novel entitled "Is That a Whale?" <laughs> yeah, I Please. think it's probably a whale. Oh no, it's a shark. It's just a really long title. No. No. Um, but the the book was originally inspired partly by real shark attacks and partly by Moby Dick. Um, and so that's kind of why. Quint's um, whole characterism is uh, basically Captain Ahab, uh, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie did really well in the box offices, but it also did really well in getting people to basically hunt sharks to almost extinction. Oh, really? People would kill sharks after this movie? Absolutely. So, after the movie was released, uh, beach attendance dropped 
like just like plummeted because people thought that this was oh it's based off of a book books can't be fiction um this is a documentary like <laughs> like people, craziness but yeah like people started hunting sharks like a lot and like mercilessly um just like exterminating them they're just like oh well these are horrible things that need to be dealt with and interestingly enough contributed to the other thing that is happening at the time of this recording shark week shark week was originally launched um i want to say in the 80s um or like really late 80s around the time that pg-13 came out <laughs> right yeah just right yeah. right around then uh, yeah originally aired uh july 17th 1988 um and it was originally devoted to conservation efforts and correcting misconceptions about sharks um hmm. just to let people know like actually sharks are like they're not these vicious predators that you think they are um of the sea like yes they are predatory animals but they aren't like just looking to circle the beaches to murder people kind of thing uh, but yeah um but yeah so jaws in the long run really did help inspire shark week so if it wasn't for jaws we wouldn't have a whole week dedicated to sharks so you have wow. them to thank win win <laughs> yeah so um kind of last bit of well actually i mean so there's a ton of history so i'm just gonna try to power through a lot of it because it's so interesting i definitely want to share as much as i can um but the movie has uh three official sequels and we'll get more into that in headcanon and four licensed video games um what yeah grayson remember playing jaws for the nes or the commodore 64 can't say I do. I was probably too busy playing the Adams Family game. <laughs> there was also Jaws Unleashed for PS2 and Xbox, and Jaws Ultimate Predator for Wii and Nintendo 3DS. See, what's that? Uh, hold on. Now, <laughs> Jaws Unleashed, that's ridiculous. You don't put leashes on sharks, as far as I know. <laughs> All right, so here, here's the storyline. 30 years after the event of the first film, Amity Island is growing, making corporate connections with prestigious companies. Um, unfortunately, the increased population around the island and recent industrial activity has also attracted one of Earth's most fearsome creatures and game's main character, Jaws. Wait a second, so do you play as Jaws? Wait a second. <laughs> what? That's pretty messed up. Uh, That'd be cool if it was like uh, the kind of thing where... The closer you get to blood, like the the more red tint comes yeah. on your screen. So like you can't smell through it, but it it's it emulates smell. So like you're trying to f- trace the the smell of blood. Yeah. Wow. That'd be interesting if you I just thought like a shark for a second and it scared me. <laughs> you became what you feared most. A shark. A shark. That's uh, what the dream meant when I was four. <laughs> Uh, yeah but did you uh, also say that there was a Wii game there was it, um, it was the uh, Jaws Ultimate Predator sorry Jaws colon Ultimate Predator oh yeah who do you play as Chris Hansen <laughs> Jaws to catch the ultimate predator <laughs> uh, yeah so in the production of this film um, 
a lot of things went wrong that actually attributed to the film's success. The um, So the shark, they basically made like a giant mechanical shark and they're like, this is amazing. This is going to work really, really well. They put it in the water and it sank to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Steven. Uh, and they made um, the sharks, fun fact, uh, the shark's actual name was Bruce. Um, oh. That that is the name of the first shark, and it's actually named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Uh, and you'll actually know the Easter egg from Finding Nemo, where the shark's name is Bruce. It's a nod to Jaws. Wow. Which connects the universes together. Again, I'll get to that in headcanon. Um, there are three mechanical Bruces, and each has special functions. One shark was... Uh, one shark opened on the right side, one opened on the left side, and the third was just fully skinned. And each shark uh, cost about a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. I believe Steven Spielberg was never really happy with how the shark looked. No, because I he he kept on trying to get it to look right, but there are so many times when like you could kind of see the strings, basically. Mm -hmm. um and it was super difficult but it ended up working for the film's favor because the the shark basically just kept on it was more ominous when you didn't you couldn't really see it all the way yeah there's one documentary where he describes it as a gray floating turd yep (laughs) (laughs) kind of a love-hate relationship there yeah, the the movie um, again it did really well and it did a lot for film. Again, the I, I was the most impressed with the whole summer blockbuster initiative, mm-hmm. um, and it's it inspired so much. Uh, but oh, yeah. we've talked a ton about the history of the film. Let's go to the future, as in Back to the Future Two. Yeah, and Jaws is still kicking. Oh uh, yeah, because this connects to how how the shark looks, basically, where the holographic shark comes down and bites Marty, and Spielberg, being one of the producers of Back to the Future too, uh, they have a nod to that when Marty says, uh, "Shark still looks fake." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a, a jab, even uh, into the future. Yeah. Oh, good times. Uh, but yeah, let's get into our reactions of the film. Uh, so is, is this the first time you saw the film? No, this is probably my third time that I've seen it. Nice. Um, yeah. When's the last time you saw it? I think I saw it in college. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not sure why I would have, but I, I believe I did. Well, I mean, this was this was the first time I saw the movie in its entirety. And there are so many things that make sense in film. For me, I'm just like, oh, these are all the Jaws references people were making. Because mm. uh, it was it was just so... It was a, it was such a solid movie. I I was surprised, and I guess because I I didn't realize it was a 1975 movie. I I just mentally assumed it was like an 80s movie, but this is a 1975 movie, and so the audio caught me off guard a lot because there's a lot of times when people are talking in the background and in the foreground at the same levels. I'm like, who am I supposed to be listening to? <laughs> like, what what's, what's happening? Like, I bet that towns person's going to be real important later. Oh, no, they just didn't mix the audio. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, Got great. It. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like his agent or his assistant who's just, like, yelling, you know what they need? For you? They need you to do this thing. I'm like, what? wait, is, who am I supposed to be listening to? What's happening? Yeah, improv for extras was a lot more important back then. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't just say watermelon over and over <laughs> and get away with it. Yeah. 
but yeah, the movie I was just super impressed with. You know, of course John Williams. I mean that guy. I feel like yeah. can do no wrong. But interestingly enough, uh, the first time that he presented the soundtrack to Steven Spielberg, Spielberg was like, "All right, John, you're so hilarious." But what do you really have? For <laughs> you the... gave me two notes, John. <laughs> You have all the other ones at your disposal. Uh, But the music really is its own character. Oh, man. I mean, it's the character of the shark. The shark is the music. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, again, this movie, I love when a movie can show tension and, like, stress just with without having to necessarily hand, like hand it to you, just like this moment's about to be scary it's just yeah. like you're just watching just people having fun and then you just have the perspective of the shark and the music playing i'm just like mm-hmm. that's it like that's all there is and um and it it was just super fun to watch um and it it was it was subtle mm-hmm. like they didn't need to have these very gruesome attacks um, to make it a scary thriller of a movie, like they just they they showed and told without having to show and tell, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a very biological reaction to it, other than just fear. I mean, it is it is a representation of fear. Like, think of mm-hmm. what the music is. It's a heartbeat. It's your heartbeat getting faster and faster as this monster is approaching. Mm. Um, and that's just part of the brilliance of John Williams. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think my maybe my favorite part uh, when I finally saw the whole "we're gonna need a bigger boat" uh, mm-hmm. moment, I was just like, "Oh man, like that would freak me out!" Like, I because I've heard that quote tons and tons of times, yeah. but just like seeing him on that boat and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're we're prepared to go and finally attack this shark," he sees it and is just like, "We're gonna." Oh my gosh, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Like this, this shark is too big. I'm like, oh man. Like I like it didn't take me out of the movie at all. I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah, you guys are screwed. <laughs> yeah, there are so many great quotes in this too. That one being one of the most famous and uh, rumored to be an improvised line yeah. as well. Um, but I I just love Richard Dreyfus so yeah. much as Hooper, the the biologist, marine biologist. And his his line of, well, this is not a boat accident, and it wasn't a propeller, and it wasn't any coral reef, and it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. Like, it's just, it just <laughs> builds so well. Oh, yeah. That was uh, just so perfect. Yeah, I think the, um, I think he was, like, my favorite character throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Just, like, him and his reactions to everything. Like he was just, it was it was great. But the the dynamic between Quint and Brody and Hooper is so great because in that final fight against the shark, there are so many elements that have been set up. The fact that uh, Quint is the kind of guy who would be positioned to slide feet first into the shark, um, just because he would probably be the last one to take cover. Um, and the idea that Brody is probably thinking things out a little more. He's looking for his resources, like the canister that he's ultimately able to defeat the shark with. Um, and then the fact that despite his best efforts, Hooper is basically removed from that fight uh, because he's in the cage below. 
Mm -hmm. uh, where it would have been a 2v1 situation. They find a way to eliminate Quint and then make it really the protagonist versus the antagonist in that final fight um, without having to kill two people. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was really smart. They just kind of relegate Hooper to beneath the ocean, take Quint out from the shark, and then it's Brody versus the shark, which is really what this has been leading to the entire time. Um, so the dynamics of that, it, it doesn't play to the obvious, which was really nice. And But there's enough shots of the canisters ahead of time and the use of them to where it doesn't feel convoluted when he grabs one and then uses it to to blow up the shark. Yeah, which uh, Mythbusters uh, busted the myth uh, during one of the shark weeks and how that could uh, that actually wouldn't happen. Oh, really, Mythbusters? Well, guess what? <laughs> this was a blockbuster. Oh, you've been busted. <laughs> Busting makes me feel good. <laughs> so the movie, like you said, inspired uh, three official sequels, um, which is Jaws 2, which came out Naturally. in 1978. Yeah. Jaws 3D. Hmm, I see. And Jaws colon The hmm. Revenge. Oh. So who... The shark is angry? Oh, it has to be. Let me just read for you. So here's the thing. Here's the amazing thing about Jaws the Jaws series. So Jaws 1 and 2 kind of follow like the same story. Jaws 3D it takes place with the youngest son who is older who works in an aquarium and Jaws shows up basically <laughs> for some reason. Um Jaws the Revenge completely ignores Jaws 3D. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, because in an official press release from um, Jaws The Revenge, it says that this is the third film of the remarkable Jaws trilogy. (laughs) Bird. And so Jaws 4 starts with Brody dying of a heart attack. And then the wife being like, oh, man, he probably had a heart attack from the shark. I think this shark has, has a thing with our family. And then her son dies from a shark attack. And she's like, oh, no, this time it's personal, which is also the tagline for the movie. It is. It's the legitimate tagline. It- it's such an interesting de-evolution of a series. Michael uh, Caine was in this? Uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine was As in the this. As the shark? <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a chameleon. <laughs> He can do anything. It is interesting. I, I like that Jaws the Revenge incorporates Lorraine Gary more, uh, Brody's wife from the first movie. Yeah. Um, and I like that they didn't recast people. Like, it, it is the same actress yeah. who kept with this through the story. So, uh, yeah, it feels legitimate. Mm-hmm. What is it about Jaws 3D that makes it not part of the trilogy? Mainly just in the movie that they canonically just ignore everything that happened in that movie yeah because it says that it's the sons of the police chief brody yeah so i'm sorry i just read the poster please please, go ahead jaws 3d (laughs) (laughs) the third dimension is terror 
Oh, man. So height, width, and terror. (laughs) That's one of those, like, advertising informations that you just see. (laughs) Or or the things that you see that are acutely misspelled that kids end up getting wrong. It's like, Uh all right, kids, what's the third dimension? Terror. No, Timmy. It's not. But the poster from Jaws 3D said it was terror. So what about movies like Jaws in Japan and Jaws 19? Basically, after the success of Jaws, there were a ton of international movies that were just like, oh, we can make shark movies. Like, they don't own the rights to Jaws. Like, Jaws could be talking about this, but we could also be talking about the Jaws that sharks have because of teeth. Um, But overall... There are over 22, like, shark attack movies. Just for sharks. Just for sharks. Um, That's crazy. I take that back. Just for... Let me see if I did my research. I'm pretty sure it's just just for the um, great white sharks. Just movies about great great white shark attacks. How many are just hammerheads? Uh, Four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone likes a good hammerhead. Yeah. Um, so now we are finally going to get into this segment that I, I feel like I've been building up towards. It's headcanon, you guys. Headcanon 3D. (laughs) The third dimension (laughs) is terror. (laughs) All right. So here's, here's my big headcanon. So we did talk about this recently, uh, or we did just talk about how in Back to the Future, Yes. In 2015, the 19th Jaws movie is released. Yes. Here's my headcanon. We have those movies now. Oh. Hear me out. I did a ton of research. This might be my most involved headcanon. Hear me out. Cool. So, Jaws... One released in 1975. Jaws 2 released in 1978. Jaws 3D 1983. Jaws 4, 1987. Now, Jaws 4 was the first movie, or Jaws the Revenge, started the trend that you can ignore previous incarnations of the movie, but still be in canon with the series. And I'm pretty sure, like, Jaws the Revenge deals with, like, a baby shark, like a baby shark at some point in time. They're like, oh, he's breeding, or something like that. (laughs) Gross. Well, then... After that, there aren't really that many shark movies. There's not another series of shark movies except for Shark Attack, which is a series of movies about a great white shark, even though it does deal with the fictionalized Megalodon. Mm-hmm. Um, it still is a series that lasted throughout the 90s. My headcanon that connects those two is that Shark Attack is... What, so what you typically do at movies is you either continue telling the same story with the same people or you do a spinoff. Shark Attack is a spinoff of the Jaws series with one of the – a relative of the Jaws, Shark. I see. So, so so could Deep Blue Sea work as a bridge between the two of them? Yes. So after Shark Attack, Shark Attack 2, Shark Attack 3, the last 90s Shark movie that would fit into the um, – 
headcanon is Deep Blue Sea. Even nice. though they aren't necessarily experimenting on great white sharks, they're experimenting on a different kind of shark. Um, this does introduce an important element, which is genetic modification with sharks. And that's going to play come into play later on. Then we cop over to 2003, Open Water. By the way, if you're keeping count at home, we are on movie nine. So, um, 2003, Open Water, which is basically home alone, but in the sea. Two divers find themselves stranded on an ocean because there was a miscount and who was all on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then basically they're just being circled by this family of sharks. So this is just like they're being circled by several sharks, right? So okay. we see a group of sharks. Let's just say this is one of the Jaws descendants' new family, right? Mm -hmm. Cut to 12 Days of Terror, 2004. It's an origin story because um, it's a great white shark attack, but based on the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916, predates all the other movies because it's basically Jaws' origin story. In 1916, there was like a real life shark attack on Jersey Shore with like basically look at Jaws, the whole plot of everything, and that actually happened. Um, oh man, it's the Godfather Part Two of shark movies. <laughs> it really is. Um, then we cut over to Shark Swarm, which is about a swarm of sharks. Again, open water, family of sharks, multiple sharks. Then yeah. Jaws in Japan, 2009, the ocean's big. And so sharks... And it's all connected. It's all connected, right? Then we go to the reef, 2010. A great white shark hunts the crew of a capsized sailboat along the Great Barrier Reef. Then we go to Shark Night, which happened in two, 2011, another genetic modification of sharks. Uh, then we go to Bait, which is 2012. A freak tsunami traps a group of people in a submerged grocery store. As they try to escape, they are hunted by great white sharks that are hungry for meat because the tsunami brought the sharks in. So basically that's to say that the sharks are traveling. Like they are moving from place to place. By the way, we're at... Movie number 15, Dark Tide. So, Dark Tide, 2012. A traumatized shark expert, Halle Berry, by the way, must Whoa. battle her own fears to lead the thrill-seeking businessman on a dive into a dangerous section of the water known as Shark Alley. Who, who names that? <laughs> right? You don't, you don't want to go down Shark Alley. No. That's, that's where the other Bruce... Bruce Wayne uses <laughs> his parents uh, and becomes yeah. Bat Shark. Bat Shark, I Bat Shark. Then we come to Ghost Shark. Oh, because he died before? Because, because of the genetic modification of these sharks, not only have they been able to like like modify their DNA, but they've these sharks have been able to like basically materialize in ghost form. So they are attacking even after death, ghost shark. Um, mm. Then we hit piranha sharks, which are bioengineered piranha-sized great white sharks. Again, the genetic modification of the sharks and how it's playing into this shark, which does lead us to Jaws 19, which is exactly the same one that Marty McFly saw there it is. I see. And now, 
We're in the shallows. We are in the shallows. Blake Lively. Which would be Jaws 20 if we wanted to count them. But yeah, there it goes. My headcanon is basically that all of those movies are Jaws spinoff movies. Wow. You could almost call them finoffs. Oh, why did I spend all that time? I should have been looking there. I was just in the perches waiting to snipe. <laughs> oh, goodness. So that's that's my main headcanon. Uh, that and also Finding Nemo is in the same universe as Jaws. Because of Bruce? Because of Bruce. Nice. Well, that was very involved headcanon, Ricky. And um, I guess the only way I could follow it up was to say that uh, Quint and Brody are the same person. Quint is what Brody wishes he could be. Mm. I believe that Quint is the subconscious of Brody because he's, he's a haggard man on the inside. He has the stress and the weight of protecting the community. And it's really not until they get on the boat or prepping to get on the boat that you see that interaction between Quint and Brody, aside from the initial scratching of the uh, the whiteboard. Yeah. And even then, I don't believe that they're in the same shot. I could easily be proved wrong about that. But I don't believe that they're in the same shot. Hmm. So it could even be a suggestion that Brody is putting forth. Interesting. And then, and then Hooper is just a, a scientist. <laughs> But you, if you look at it, it's Brody and Hooper that are doing most of the work together. Yeah. And Quint has all of the uh, all of the, the gear, but as the sheriff, he would also have similar gear, being the sheriff of a beach town. Yep. So, and think about it. Why didn't they bring a bigger boat when they first went out? Because they weren't sharing it with three people. They were sharing it with two. There it is. Head cannon. Also, Hooper and the shark are the same person, which is how Hooper can think like a shark. (laughs) Yours was much better. (laughs) No, I I like, I always like that. (laughs) I, uh, I think my, I think for me, my other, my only other piece of head cannon I thought was interesting. I didn't dive too much into this, so this is probably going to be less involved than my other one. No pun intended. Ah! Uh, But so this town is called Amity Island, right? Right. Heath Cannon is that Amity Island is right next door to Amityville, where all those horrors happen. (laughs) You got some spooky stuff on the water? (laughs) Okay, what about this? What about Amity Island is actually hell, which is why it's so hot there. Ooh. And why uh, basically the shark is judgment, and the shark is coming to judge people who try to leave the place where they are confined. Ooh. And so you also have the shark attacking people that are, like, drunk or that are like running around topless and like basically classic slasher stuff that oh man ba- that you kind of buy into where they're like oh yeah they they weren't making the best decisions and so they end up dead um huh. that's like a common thing in a lot of these kinds of films um but then you have like Brody 
who uh, like has a sense of pride and you start to get into those more ambiguous like seven deadly sins um, or you have Quint who has like wrath issues with him um, like all of these kinds of things where they're trying to just break out uh, break out of hell or trying to defeat judgment what's in the shark man what's in the shark oh it's Quint <laughs> No, that I like that. That's, that's I think it's well. It's also like the biggest fears realized as well, mm. because they say like he doesn't like water. They they don't say that Brody doesn't like sharks. He doesn't like water, mm. and so the the fear is, well, and the fear of losing his family. So once once he, uh, like comes to grips with another family who has lost their child, he kind of internalizes that fear, which this whole town is built on fear at that point. Yeah. Um. And the only ones that really thrive in it are the ones who act too dumb to really be afraid, like the shark hunters. Yeah. Um, you start to get these people who, like, have no respect for others, and they kind of thrive in this anarchy. Hmm. We're making it sound like Mad Max. It's a beach town. <laughs> but but that's the same kind of idea, that there's an upside-down uh, order of law here. Yeah. All right, hear me out. Because I love that headcanon. But you just made me think of another thing. So after mm-hmm. all these shark attacks happen, even after, let's just stick with this movie. Let's just say after the shark attacks happen, people are afraid. And it, the mayor was right. Like, no, it's a beach town. They thrive on tourism. And after that, people just up and leave. Like, for years, this town is basically kind of like a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Um, until, you know, a wealthy investor starts noticing that the real estate market is really nice out there. I'm like, it's affordable to like buy a house. And so what they do is like in the eighties or I say like the late seventies, they start, um, they start this docu-series about, um, a boy named Truman. Dang it. You beat me to it. Yes. And that town, like they start in the room and then they go into the larger scale of the town and because of the sharks, they had already done, like, this preliminary, well, we don't want any sharks coming in, so we'll put it inside of this enclosed dome. And it's it's the town where the Truman Show takes place. So I think Brody is actually an alternate uh, selection of Truman, where he grew up in a different Ooh. community in New York, but they were able to do the whole convince, like, fall asleep in the car kind of thing, where... He moved to Amity, and they they realized if they create this enclosed situation where he can't leave off the island, uh, much like they did with Truman and the Truman Show, then that's how they keep him there, which also explains why the shark looks so fake, because it is actually a a mechanical shark. Yep. That was a lot of headcanon. That was a lot. Well, you know what? We need to balance out that headcanon. With some super short recast and remake. Yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely, hands down, no one else for the role of um, old man McGruff. Quint? Quint. Um, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, oh. I just want to so- see Samuel L. Jackson as Quint. Um, I, I, just, I just need it. Um, Isn't that kind of what he is in Deep Blue Sea? In a way, yes. <laughs> I never saw Deep Blue Sea, but it's my understanding that he is in it. He is in it. He he's more of a scientist. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he just has one of the best scenes maybe re- ever recorded in any movie ever. But then, so I would have him as that character or as Quinn. And then for, um, remind me again who the scientist guy was. Hooper. Hooper. I, I was so confused with names. They kept, just kept on yelling people's name. I'm like, who is who? Yeah. Um, Richard Dreyfus is Hooper. Yeah. So Hooper, John Krasinski. Um, really? Yeah. It, I would think he would fit more of the Brody profile. Oh, yeah. You're right. Well, let me think. Well, he's got yeah. that soldier build now from uh, doing 13th Hour. You're right. No, that could work. Brody does a good job at like kind of toting the line between being like he's authoritative but also friendly, but he's not like an action hero type character. He's like he's the unlikely hero. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. So John Krasinski for Brody, then Rain Wilson for <laughs> Hooper. Nice. Yeah. Well, then you got to do Creed Bratton for uh, for Quint. <laughs> like, uh, he had eyes, uh, doll's eyes. Yeah, that was it. Doll's eyes. All right. Uh, I, I'm gonna go. Uh, I gotta go do a thing. <laughs> Uh, for my recast, uh, this was so crazy. So before we started recording, you and I were talking about the movie Keeping Up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. I had already decided who I was going to recast. Basically, Clint Eastwood as Quint. Nice. Uh, like, that just was going to happen. Uh, but for uh, the other two, I had it in my head, John Hamm and Zach Galifianakis. And then we pull up the trailer to Keeping Up with the Joneses, and they're already doing a movie together. Nice. But I would really like to see them uh, do Jaws. Oh, that'd be great. Okay. Well, I would really want Zach Galifianakis to push the that drama element as well because he can swing back and forth really well. So to have him do the, uh, do the like, it wasn't a propeller and it wasn't a boating accident, like to see him do that yeah. whole uh, ramp up, I think would be good. And then for the kids, I would probably say... Um, Season one, Tia and Tamara from Sister Sister. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe Taj if he plays nice. Oh yeah, no. Oh no, Taj Mahal would be great. Yeah, mm-hmm. season one, uh, Taj Mahal from Smart Guy, and season one, Tia and Tamara for uh, Sister Sister. Yeah. Well, if we're gonna go that route, then I I think you have to bring back Omar Gooding to play the deputy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. Love me some Omar Gooding. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, that'd Maybe be deputy, amazing. Deputy Mo. Yeah. And then um and then for Jaws, um, Ron Swanson. Um <laughs> He just swims up. <laughs> I'm going to attack your boat now. <laughs> Please feed yourself into my mouth. <laughs> I that's a great cadence for <laughs> Thanks. I really have to make a lot of the back of my mouth numb. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, Nick Offerman. I could not remember his yeah. name. Yeah, another person for the deputy, I'd say, is Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Chris that'd Pratt be really would be good. a good deputy. He would even be a good Brody. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Too many people. Adam Scott could be the scientist. Oh um, yeah. Anyone from the cast of The Office or Parks and Rec. Fair candidate. I also think H. John Benjamin would be a great shark. <laughs> I I claim these beaches as my own. 
Okay. Uh, get the kids out of here. All right. Dad, dad. Danger zone. Dad, All right. Uh, I did. Cards on the table. Eat a dog. But <laughs> we're not going to show any blood. All right. But now I have a dog. <laughs> I'm a shark. <laughs> so now we're going to give you guys our reasons to recommend this movie. Grayson, why would you recommend Jaws? It is literally the movie that launched a thousand ships in the sense that it inspired a bunch of other movies with ships. <laughs> um, but it also launched a lot of, of Steven Spielberg's career. This was really one of the first major films that he was <laughs> at the helm. Ah! Um, but uh, I couldn't, I, I started that sentence in a certain way and I had to kind of finish it uh, <laughs> in that way. Um, but it, it really did pivot him uh or set him up, I should say. It, it set him up in a way to uh, be in a position to make great films after that um, and launch his career. So looking for what it is about those different uh, uh, elements in the movie that made him so successful in the future, I think is is super important. Like looking looking at the comparisons between Jaws and Jurassic Park is fascinating. Uh, wow. Like side by side, because they're in a lot of ways very similar films, um, just in different contexts. So, looking at um, when you don't have a lot of the frills of CGI, um, when you don't have as big a budget as you would have liked, um, but you're still a essentially a monster movie being adapted from a novel, this is uh, a really good side by side comparison, and it's it's a classic. Um, and a fun summer movie. So um, it was a blockbuster back then. It still holds up today, I think, in a lot of ways, um, in the right context. Um, and, uh, I mean, Richard Dreyfus. Just, when was the last time you saw a, a really great Richard Dreyfus film? Which is any film Richard Dreyfus has done. Just go watch Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be Jaws. Just Google Richard Dreyfus and go see. I recommend What About Bob? Because then you also get Bill Murray. Oh, he's in What About Bob? Yeah, he's the he's the psychiatrist in What About Bob. I um, did not know that. But yeah, just watch Jaws. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the reason I would recommend Jaws is because it's it's another one of those movies where it's it's fun to watch your, your kind of the film history, kind of looking back at the lineage of how we – see film today because this movie played such an important role of modern cinema like if like this was one of if not the first summer blockbuster and now it's so much of a commonplace where we just expect to see these really um larger than life um movies every summer um and mm -hmm. this movie was kind of the pioneer for it and it's i i, I get really intrigued by seeing movies that kind of started everything going forward um and it's it's also a great movie to just see how you can show terror and thrills and kind of horror in a way differently than how we expect it to be done today which is just mm -hmm. a lot of gore a lot of violence where we there's only really like one scene where we see the shark attacking someone and it's like at the right. very very end but even then like i was more terrified when they were just underwater and like i was i was anxious i was anxious watching the movie i'm just like 
what are these people yeah. doing? Like, what's going to happen? And it's just, it's such a interesting and fun movie to watch because of the history behind it and all the production and the love and care that went into it that ultimately had everything fall into place to make it the movie uh, and the classic that it is. So um, that's just a lot of words saying, um, seriously, Richard Dreyfus. Um, I personally yeah. recommend um, uh, Jaws. I, I think, you know, the third dimension is Dreyfus. <laughs> so that is our review of Jaws. Let us know what you thought of the movie on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of our review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Say anything um, that lets us know what you thought about our review of this. Um, particularly, uh, leave a review as if you were a shark. Yeah, or alternately... <laughs> As if you were Hooper performing the shark autopsy and tell us all the things that this review was not. Yes, that's great. That's way better than mine. Cause it was not a boating accident. <laughs> it's not a propeller. It was a podcast about Jaws. <laughs> Love it. And be sure to tune in next time where we leave the sandy beaches for a sandy lot. With The Sandlot. We're going to be watching The Sandlot. Uh, so dust off your VHS copy of it uh, or watch it on Netflix. It is currently on Netflix at the time of this recording. So check it out there. Lace up your PF flyers. Put in a thing of skull. Listen to tequila on a tilt-a-whirl. All options. All options. So be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flash Bat Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. <laughs>